This is our sixth episode. Our sixth? Sixth. Wow. Because the last one was the first Flat River. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Spider and the Fly, a Mile High True Crime podcast. I'm Tiffany. I am a co-host of Spider and the Fly. Oh, and my name is Ben. I'm the co-host as well. Yes. (laughs) Usually when we start, we ask for clear articulation of our speech. We ask for only positive creative energy. Yes and none of the bad negative energy. Now, Colorado has a rich history of crime. I feel like I have a responsibility to share this history on this podcast. Um, If you're a returning listener, then you already know that this podcast focuses mostly on violent crimes that take place in the state of Colorado. As far as our structure goes, we try to lay down the facts before all else. This podcast is for your entertainment. We've been saying that since day one, that we drink, we smoke, and we talk about true crime. And with that, cheers. Cheers. Let me crack mine open. What are you drinking there, Tiff? I got a Crown Crown Royal Whiskey and Ooh, Cola. And it comes in a beautiful purple can. Yes, my favorite color. Mmm. All right. Bakers. <laughs> Our opinions do not and will not change the fact that some people have suffered and in many cases died tragic deaths. Sometimes these stories are solved and have some resemblance of a happy ending, but some don't. And that's the harsh truth about the subject matter that we cover on The Spider and the Fly, a Mile High True Crime Podcast. Yes. Tiffany nor myself have ever claimed to be experts on this show, and we have always and will always support victim advocacy. We do this show out of the utmost respect for the victims of our stories, and uh, that being said, we vow to call it how we see it in all aspects of our recording. Take from that what you will. Right. Uh, with that out of the way, you may have to brace yourself for some graphic content because that's kind of what we do here. That's right. All right. Um, so today I will be covering the freshly solved murder of Betty Lee Jones. Oh. Now, I was torn on covering a case that was an old true crime story yeah. and a new crime story, uh, and I made a compromise. Okay. So today's story is actually the cold case from the 70s that went over 50 years unsolved until DNA evidence was able to link the brutal rape and murder of Betty to a man named Paul Leroy Martin. Wow. All right. Juicy. Yeah, so this was actually solved in 2021. Oh. And they were able to use uh, DNA evidence to pin pin the uh, rape and murder of uh, this woman to to this man. And actually, I have some uh, interesting facts that are going to come up later. It's going to get a little wishy-washy, as it usually does. <laughs> all right. All right. Tell me a story, Ben. All right, all right. So the year is 1970. Okay. Uh, the body of a Denver woman was found by two Department of Transportation workers uh, in an embankment just off of Colorado I-28, uh, and that's going to be like right on the county line of Boulder. Okay. Uh, Boulder police quickly opened an investigation, and Betty's body was found near the county line between Boulder and Jefferson. According to the investigator, she had showed signs of having her hands bound uh, as well as being strangled and sexually assaulted before being shot multiple times. During this investigation, um, there's some conflicting details. Based on what I saw from the Boulder Police Department, they said that she had been shot. Uh, They didn't mention that she had been shot multiple times. 
I found that on another state document. Okay. Um, but I will be getting into my sources uh, a little bit later yeah. once we get there. Now, basically what had happened, um, Betty Lee Jones uh, was a, a recent bride. So she had been married for maybe only, um, I think yeah. it was maybe like nine days. Wow. She was married to her husband. Very newlywed. And she had two children as well. Okay. Now, I'm not completely clear whether or not these are his children or children from a, a previous relationship. I'm assuming it's pre, uh, previous relationship. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. So apparently she was having an argument with her new husband. Uh, and this is going to be, this is, okay, so the year is 1970. And this is in Denver, Colorado, probably like maybe Cap Hill downtown. Okay. Sort of areas where they were living mm-hmm. um, at the time, which is completely different in the 70s, I imagine. And she was found on like the borderline of Boulder? Completely, yeah, completely Completely away from the city. Wow. Yes. Um, but here's what happened. So apparently she was having an argument with her new husband. It got heated and they separated. Eyewitnesses uh, saw her flag down a blue sedan, get into the uh, sedan, and that was the last she was ever seen. Hmm. There are some discrepancies, though. During the pro- police report, they said that she had gotten to a Chevy Malibu. What eventually would happen, they would find that the the actual murderer and rapist was driving a Plymouth Fury, same color blue. And just to kind of get an idea, I went on Google and compared the two. It's the same fucking car. Yeah. Dude. Like, you you take a look at that thing. I'm not like a car guy, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they look very similar. So I, I can am. see. You are. <laughs> I'm like, like they, those are yeah. very, they look very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Um, both are hard tops and could easily be confused at a glance. Amidst Betty's missing. You know, this is before they found her body. She just went missing. She wasn't seen for, you know, until they found her body, obviously. Right. Betty's two children stayed in the care of her parents, uh, who remained their keepers throughout their life. Okay. So the grandparents raised, raised them. Yeah. I don't know what the situation was with father. I wasn't able to find too much information. I do have his uh, name somewhere in my notes, but uh, it's not particularly relevant to that portion of the story. Well, that's why you say you don't know if they are somebody else's or if they were his. I'm, assu- I'm assuming they were her children. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. I didn't I, If her parents were raising them. You know, it's it's so easy to fall down a rabbit hole with all of these stories. And Oof. sometimes they don't lead anywhere. Sometimes right. they do. And that's a problem, too. <laughs> sometimes they lead yeah. you. Because uh, you got to add more things. Well, researching this case, uh, I did fall down a rabbit hole. I'll actually get into some of, um, some of the interesting things that I found in that rabbit hole. But we'll okay. get there, too. All right. The case was reopened. In 2006. And this is 1970? 1970 was when the body was uh, found. So I imagine she probably went missing uh, not too much longer her body was found. Yeah. And uh, a lot of things have changed uh, from 2006, uh, from 1970. Uh, the case was reopened in 2006 due to some DNA evidence that was recovered from Jones's body. And it was submitted to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, good old CBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, male DNA profile was developed but the suspect profile was not in the National Combined DNA Index System database. They had DNA for whoever could be the, the rapist or the murderer. Yeah. But they didn't have any anything that corresponded to it in their database, which is actually kind of crazy because doing research for this, if you do like a um, 21andMe, mm-hmm. like the chromosome search, or uh, like Ancestry, all that family stuff, it's led me down another rabbit hole, but that's like some Illuminati shit I don't want to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's for another podcast. It is. Not this one. <laughs> Not yet. But anyways, if you if you submit your DNA to this, it, it becomes part of this database. Pretty much since that's been a thing, they've been solving all kinds of these murders 
and um, you know through DNA evidence. I'll be getting into that in a little bit more as well. Okay. So how the killer was determined. The CBI uh, was working with uh, forensic genealogy and able to identify uh, someone who had a genetic match, someone who lived uh, in Denver at the time. Now, they were able to find the brother of Paul Leroy Martin Mm -hmm. by chance. They found two brothers that were in the DNA registry and that matched the DNA. When they started investigating these individuals, they talked to one of the brothers and they said, well, here's the thing, there's me and my brother and uh, we have a third brother. They call him an an estranged brother. Mm -hmm. So like they didn't talk to him, they didn't have contact with him, they didn't know the whereabouts of him. Right. The missing brother. Yeah. This was identified as a gentleman named, well, gentleman, a fucking murderer and rapist Mm -hmm. named Paul Leroy Morton. Mm -hmm. um, Who was found to have died June of 2019. So just two years before the case was actually closed and yeah. DNA evidence concluded that he was the murderer and rapist. Yeah. He died? He died 2019. Ah. Uh, I'll get into that. Okay. I have a lot of interesting questions that I want to discuss. Okay. A lot of shit here. <laughs> I, I'm, trying to keep it, I'm trying to keep it short. I'm trying to keep it simple, but it's, yeah. it's dense. Okay. That's fine. Uh, died in 2019, uh, and he was actually buried in Fort, Lord, uh, Fort Logan National Cemetery. Mm-hmm. The court authorized an exhumation, so they dug up his corpse to extract DNA to compare. April of the same year, Martin's body was exhumed and DNA evidence was taken, tested against the sample found on Betty's body. The lab work was conducted at Fort Logan and biological material was collected. Uh, This is based off of a statement uh, by the Boulder County Sheriff's Office. The guy uh, in charge of the investigation was a fellow named Detective Steve Ainsworth. Mm Um, he was pretty much uh, detective in charge of pretty much putting together the investigation, finding the DNA evidence, making sure that that was all compared properly, and he was the man responsible for finding the killer. But uh, the CBI and the FBI were working very closely with a well, genetics company mm-hmm. called Bow Technologies. Okay. Now, in 2019, the suspect DNA was submitted to a private lab, Bode Technologies, uh, where a profile was developed. The FBI's forensic genetic genealogy team was enlisted to help develop a family tree. The suspect's generation in that family tree was identified and more fully developed. All offspring were identified and eliminated, except for one daughter. There's some conflicting things that I found while investigating this story. Obviously, you know, the blue sedan, that... Easy, easy, easy conclusion to draw. Um, but when her body was sent for autopsy, confirming the, the cause of death, uh, an unknown DNA sample was collected. Now, this unknown DNA sample was what they used to determine um, that this Paul Leroy Martin guy was the, was the murderer. Okay. I cannot find any information in any of my sources what that DNA evidence is. And what really makes this interesting is if they had the foresight to collect that sort of evidence from a body in 1970 when uh, DNA genealogy really didn't become part of investigation until the 1980s, 1980 in fact. Right. So while researching this story, there has been a shadow of a doubt in my mind that maybe this process, I mean, give the devil's due. Yeah. Maybe we, we caught a murderer, dead right. murderer, Yeah. but it's a, cl- it's a closed case. Right. This is where, like, the, I don't want to say conspiracy, but this is where the gears, 
they start turning and they don't all turn in the same direction. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they open a cold case to close a cold case. They're collecting DNA samples of DNA evidence before that's even a possibility of doing so, which I find questionable. Yeah. There were a number of uh, rape murders that happened in the 70s around this time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like the manner of death is like the same. Like multiple times, like to shoot a woman multiple times is crazy. It's completely insane. It's an insane story. So it's obvious that DNA testing is a modern miracle. Catching killers, rapists, and in some cases, even proving people innocent. Wrongful imprisonment is not a myth. Um, let's just get that out there. No. It's not a myth. <laughs> there are a lot of innocent people in prison. And what good is a uh, functioning justice system if innocent people are wrongly convicted? Right. Circumstantial evidence can work for you. It can work against you. Yeah. Uh, forensic evidence is backed by solid science and holds up in the court of law. I think that they might be um, closing cases or using DNA evidences. Not in, not in the proper sense. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. There could be other possibilities. There are other possibilities. The DNA evidence is conclusive, but they could have pinned that on anybody. They could have pinned that on any dead person. Yeah. Really. So, I don't know. I find it interesting. It's almost like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm conflicted on the whole thing. Because yeah. it opens up a lot of doors. It opens up a lot of possibilities. It's like a billion-dollar industry, this DNA testing thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the genealogy thing is what's knew these days that's how they caught the golden state killer right right yeah. in fact um boat technologies i believe they were involved i know definitely someone involved in solving this case the investigation team were involved in, in catching them as well okay moving on mm. who has dna helped bring to justice peggy beckman who was a, a woman who was also raped and killed in 1963 mm-hmm. making it the oldest case in history to be solved by genetic genealogy dna testing Though her killer is also not accounted for and likely dead. Yeah. Jeannie Moore was the first genealogical match used in solving a cold case in Colorado. Mm. It was found that she had been raped and killed by a sexual predator while he had been out on bond for raping another woman. Mm. Absolute slimeball, sack of shit. Yeah. What, the, what was the date? That one, I don't have a date for that oh, okay. one. I think that one is uh, in the 80s. Yeah. Not to, you just a little sidebar for, or to piggyback off of what you just said about mm-hmm. he was out on bond. Yeah. Is they didn't treat sexual assault as serious as they should have. No, and definitely not as serious as they're treating it now. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one point I wanted to make about talk, I was going to sprinkle some sugar on this uh, Bow Technologies company. They do the, you know, responsible for the DNA testing. Mm. They were involved in, um, and proving the innocence of the Mem- Memphis Three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was basically the police tried to pin, you know, all yeah. these crimes on these three innocent children, essentially. Right. Yes. Um, and so that cleared their name. But Bow Technologies is doing a lot of stuff. They've been encouraging uh, victims of rape to come forward, and yeah. they, they offer rape kit testing. Yes. As part of some of the services they've offered, and uh, they've taken a lot of slime balls off the street. They've yeah. gotten a lot of rapists. Well, that's like, good. Yeah. Because there's so many that they just have on the shelf, you know, that you need to test them and see if you, these people are probably in the system. Yeah. Just test them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a lot. Know, this isn't a political podcast. No. But, oh, shit, it's politics are everywhere. We get political on this podcast every, mm-hmm. every here and again. Mm-hmm. There are some places that want to make that sort of thing um, inaccessible to people. Right. Can you believe the audacity? The audacity to get justice for something that happened to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just wanted to make a, make a point that the Steve Ainsworth, Detective Steve Ainsworth, he was heavily involved in solving the, the murder using the DNA evidence. This would be his final case because after that, he had put in, I think, like 40 years of detective work. He would decline promotions within yeah. the police academy because he was so damn good at what he did as a detective. Yeah. And, you know, everybody in the department looked up to him because he was just this, you know, badass detective. So really one of the heroes of the story is a Steve Ainsworth guy who, he was no stone unturned. Right. He, he good. was responsible for finding the murderer. Yes. If this is, in fact, the murderer. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I wanted to... Uh, to shout out uh, the detective who did fantastic work. Oh yeah, uh, another shout out goes out to the CBI, uh, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Time and time again, they pop up in the in the stories, and actually, most of the time when it comes to homicide, they're the investigation team in the state that uh, ends up finding the killer, or at least you know putting together the investigation. So, uh, shout out to the CBI, FBI also. Um, involved in this in this case, you know, worked very closely with the uh, the CBI as well, and um, Detective Steve Amesworth. And uh, lastly, a shout out to Bow Technologies, who continues to do uh, fantastic work. Yes. And uh, proving the innocence or uh, proving who's guilty. Yeah. In a lot of these cases, through uh, through DNA evidence. That's right. And testing those red kids, you know, that's good. That's good work there. Absolutely. But I did, you know, I did want to kind of uh, touch on. Just scrutinize the process because this sort of technology can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Mm-hmm. It could be used for, I don't want to say nefarious means, but distruthful yeah. means. Yeah. I am for the like the 23andMe and, you know, those type of sites. Like, mm-hmm. I'm for it, but at the same time, I'm a little mm, apprehensive about me actually, like, doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you don't know. You know, it's your DNA that you're giving to somebody, so you just don't know. So I agree with you. Like I'm, I'm both ways on it. Like I love the work that they're doing, getting people and bringing them to justice and putting them away, or yeah. like you said, um, having innocent people be free. You know, so right. I love that. But I'm just like I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna do it. Right. <laughs> I would like to do it though, but I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm on the fence. Yeah, I'm on the fence too. I believe in justice or should i say i want to believe in the justice system but it only works if it works for everybody that's right it can't be a system that is selective it's ridiculous you know (laughs) it is ridiculous there's a lot of there's always a lot of talk about criminal justice reform Mm -hmm. and in the united states i'm sure you watched the uh the state of the union uh, joe biden no he's talking about uh infrastructure he didn't say let's make america great again but but in so many words, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? He's like, we're going to buy American, yeah. yada, yada. But it's like criminal justice reform. Di- yes. In dire need of it. In, in dire, dire need, need of it. it. Get private money out of the uh, out of the jail system. That's right. Get it out of the fucking courts. Yeah. Who's buying these judges? Shit. You know? That's a whole nother podcast, too. <laughs> Speaking of judges, yeah. I was going to save this for the piece of cake. Okay. Ketanji Brown Jackson. Oh. Nominated. Nominated. Nominated yeah. for Supreme Court. Yeah. First black woman to sit on the nation's most powerful court in its 233-year history. Mm. Something proud of, huh? Yeah. That's great. That's a big piece of cake. How do you feel about it as a black woman? I, you know what? 
I'm I'm very happy that it happened. I'm very happy that um, it's a black woman that's sitting on the bench. That's very great. I just feel like right now it's like it's the time for people of color, black people, to finally be given the opportunities that we should have always had. You know, I totally after like 2020 and the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that, and you see how racist people really are. Um, I'm happy that she yeah. got it. I'm happy that she got it. I'm happy that Biden decided to do that, and that's the way he was going to go. He said that's what he was going to do, yeah. and so I'm glad he did it. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I think people can underestimate um, how important representation is. Right. You know what I mean? It's it matters. It's something you take for granted. Very it's some, much it absolutely matters. Absolutely it does. So uh, good piece of cake. Yeah. Congrats to her. She's not confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure that's going to go through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we can hope. Either way that she was, you know, nominated or whatever is a big deal. You want to hear something crazy? Mm. Katanji Brown-Jackson was born the same year that Betty Lee Jones uh, died. Really? Five days between her death and... Oh, wow. Weird, weird uh, factoid. Yeah. <laughs> Just something you stumbled across, huh? Now, before I wrap this up, there's probably some listeners thinking, what's the point of all this? We got a man guilty of a crime that died before he was caught and sentenced. Uh, personally, I have some complicated feelings about it, but um, the fact of the matter is, regardless of the situation, in the home, two children grew up without their mother for years, despite having zero leads for about 50 years. These, um, her children were informed, obviously, about the investigation. But, you know, they're 50-year-old men. Right. You know, that's 50 years ago. Well, a half century. Yeah. A half century goes by without having answers. Yeah. You know, living your whole life, just just having something, you know, your own mother taken from you. Right. No answers. No answers. Until until just yes. just two years ago where they, they, they finally stuck a pin in it with, uh, with DNA evidence. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't able to find any information on um, what DNA was found on her body whatsoever. Yeah. So this isn't a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> um, I don't have enough evidence one way or the other to, right. to swing that. But I, I would probably look at the technology of uh, you know forensic science. That is a that is double edge. Yeah. That sort of power to irrefutably hold up in court, like that can go either way. That can hurt you. That can help you. That um, yeah. Sometimes they get it wrong. Yes, and sometimes they get it wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you know? they so, get it wrong. It's 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 just it's so it's so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful for something to be like that to be, you know, part of our justice system, for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, based on, you know, the work that uh, boat technologies has done, done, it's for the better. Yeah, it's for the better. I I think more pro than con. Good. Yeah. yeah more pro than con. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But something scary, and you know, this technology, it will, in my mind, I look at a. Uh, you know, just kind of how police in some jurisdictions operate. Yeah. They want to close a case. And, you know, if DNA evidence can do that, and, you know, no harm, no foul if it's someone that died two years ago. Yeah. I just thought that was uh, too big of a coincidence. Yeah. You know, I don't really believe in coincidences. Why would you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It all, it's, all, it's all part of well, the same Well, I mean, it just, that, I... I think it just sucks that he's dead already. 
Like, fuck. You know, but to be perfectly fair, like, it's kind of a long shot that they were able to find a culprit anyways. Yeah. You know, they didn't even find his DNA in the database. They found his brother. Yeah, that's true. And if his brother didn't even speak up or say, we have this long-lost brother, um, they never would have found a DNA match. Right. So, um... I, I have complicated feelings about this because it's like, yes, they did catch somebody, but to, to, to what end? You know, I mean, it's it, it doesn't really change anything. And most of the time it doesn't. And that's it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. It doesn't change anything. But her sons have justice. Yes. And they know who killed their mother, yes. even though he's dead. Like, they know who did it, who's responsible, and who would have, who would have been held accountable. Or do they? <laughs> Yeah. We're gonna say yes. They do. we're gonna say yes for for the sake of this podcast. I'm gonna say that um, that they caught the right guy. Before I call it a day, Tiff, I want to talk about some of my sources here. Okay. Because I've got some pretty good ones. Yeah. So, the main source, the source where a lot of this information was from, uh, the Boulder County Sheriff's mm-hmm. Office Facebook page. Okay. Um, they put a post out there with all this information, and this was part of their press release saying we found who we believe is responsible through DNA evidence. Mm. Um, so that was put out press release, Boulder County Sheriff's Office. And um, a lot of the other sources, the AP, like all these other sources, use that as their source. So digging for information, it was kind of hard patching information together, as it usually is with these older cases. Right. That was that was the main source, obviously, because everyone was using it as a source for the story. I mm-hmm. uh, want to give a shout-out to CBS4. Annika Padilla for her article uh, that also covered this. There is a freelance journalist who has an incredible article on this case. She wrote for True Crime Edition. Her name is Josie Claxstrom. Okay. Uh, fantastic journalist. I would say uh, I found more information on her article than I found anywhere else. And after doing a little bit of digging, I was able to find those sources myself. Okay. Um, so awesome. But a lot of those sources are actually actually came from uh, Boulder's Daily Camera, uh, a journalist named Mitchell Byers. Or his article appeared in the Denver Post. They pulled that from the Daily Camera. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had a very interesting interview with uh, Detective Steve Ainsworth. He's just he's so awesome. He's such a <laughs> cool dude. Like if you look at pictures of him, he's just like this old cowboy dude, like cowboy detective. Yeah. The more I read about the guy, the more I, the more it's like I want to have a beer with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, his interview really humanized um, some of the the people involved in the investigation, and um, it's a, it's about these human moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just about the um, the process behind it, but um, everybody involved really. Yeah. My last source that I'm going to be sourcing today is the CBI cold case file, which details the Chevy Malibu. The CBI was where I was able to find uh, multiple gunshots okay. as the method of, I believe, her being killed. She yeah. could have been strangled to death and then shot, but mm. that seems unlikely, yeah. in my opinion. But the CBI case file I was able to find. Yeah. Before I sign off for this one... I want to give a shout out to the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers for funding genealogical testing for uh, victims of rape and sexual assault. Yes, yes. So very commendable. Yes, that's right. Cool. Big shout out for that. And that's a wrap. All right, good. Good story. Thank you. Good story. You mentioned something about other rapes and murders yes. that was going on around that same time. That was the 70s, though. 
That yeah. was happening everywhere. That right. was like, well, but at around the same time that she died, you know, the same thing. He could have been. He couldn't. He could have been a multiple rapist. Yeah. Uh, there's evidence that shows that multiple rapists will rape again. Right. And uh, that's why I'm like, what did his DNA? Do you know? Did you did come across? Did his DNA show up anywhere else? That is an interesting question. Um, yeah. I wonder if they tested it throughout everything. I wish I was a little bit more articulate as to my suspicion yeah. to you know tie in conclusive evidence. To these cases through DNA because like I said like how are you gonna have tests how are you gonna save DNA testing samples how are you gonna collect that sort of evidence when that's not even a practice yet for, it won't be for another decade so there's I don't want to get conspiracy on this yeah but I do have I do have my doubts as to what's going on maybe maybe not with this case in particular but as far as this case goes um, I didn't find any information that he was a uh, well, a repeat offender one and two, any other DNA evidence. Because it sounded like he didn't have any fucking DNA evidence to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Like, you was like you can't find out what kind of DNA that is. But if they're, like, eliminating women, then I'm going to assume that they got off of her body. Like, it's probably, like, semen or something. Well, yeah, I would think so, too. It could be, I mean, it could be anything. It seems, it seems so curious. Like, so here's the thing. There's probably hundreds, thousands of cases that go unsolved. Because they did not have evidence that, oh, this has been sitting in a, you know, in a file mm. for fucking decades. Right. And, you know, it just so happened to be part of the case. It just so happened that it's eligible for DNA testing. It just so happens that they were able to tie this crime to the individual who they believe was mm. the murderer and rapist. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of cases where it's like where they didn't have the foresight or they just simply didn't have the evidence to... Yeah. To well, especially in the 70s yeah so whoever these you know the people who thought it important to keep that you know yeah that's good i guess as far as like what i believe as far as the story goes i'm gonna have to stand with the the boulder uh sheriff's department because who's gonna say otherwise i'm not gonna argue with science i definitely want to say uh rest in peace uh to betty lee jones yes and um I'm just, it's, it's, it's terrible that she got raped and murdered, but they caught the motherfucker involved. Yeah. Supposedly. And, um, you know, I'm glad that her sons know. At least they know. Yep. That doesn't bring her back, but at no. least they know. At least they get justice. No. And a, a bit, because he, the bastard's dead. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I didn't do much research on, um, I didn't do much research on the, uh, on, on this Paul Leroy Martin fellow. Uh, because based on my research, there wasn't a whole lot of information. Psh, he barely even existed as it is. Right. But yeah, the rabbit holes I went down was just basically finding who's who's actually involved in these in, in the DNA's testing, mm-hmm. the process, what other services are available, and how it's used to process these crimes to be used as evidence. It's 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 crazy. Yeah. And then you think about shows like uh, like CSI and oh yeah, all these like uh, investigative so shows. So very unrealistic. Like it takes years to do the things that they do in thirty minute episode. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good story. Thank you. It's so funny. Your mm-hmm. whole story, mine basically mimics yours. Interesting. Literally down to the genealogy and everything, okay? Go on. So, okay, I'm, mine is the cold case of Helena Przinsky, and I hope I'm saying the last name correctly. And I'm going to list my sources right away. So, a lot of mine is widely from a documentary I watched uh, for Cold Case Files uh, mm-hmm. series. It comes on A&E. 
and People Magazine, an article by Harriet Suckerminster. I'm sorry, I know I pronounced that wrong. S O K M E N S U E R. Ninenews.com and findagrave.com, where I got all my sources. Yeah. My story starts on January 17th, 1980. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, I was going back and forth about this because you know I don't like doing old shit. But this has recently been solved too. Yes. So, okay, so uh, January 17th, 1980, a woman is driving through Daniels Park in Douglas County. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a foster mother and she has like mm-hmm. a car full of kids. And she just kind of like glanced over. They said at the time this park was just like field, like open field. I don't know what it looks like now. I couldn't get like any pictures or anything of what it looks like now. Sure. Then it was all field. So this woman was just glancing down and looking at everything. And she noticed something that looks like a woman's body laying in the field. Oh, shit. So she uh, stops a, a rubber worker. And tells him what she sees. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, you know, in turn, is called the police. Mm-hmm. So Douglas County Sheriff's Department arrive on the scene. And they do determine that it is a body of a young female. She is found laying on her back. She's nude from the waist down. But she's wearing a pair of socks. She has a gag in her mouth. And her hands are tied behind her head. Mm-hmm. I mean, her hands are tied behind her back. Sure. After they turn the body over, they discover that there's a, a big pool of blood. That was, like, wet, so obviously she was killed there. Like, this is the crime scene. <laughs> but she had been stabbed multiple times in her back, and they turned her over, and then they seen the, all the blood and everything. They start to search the area for evidence, and they find frozen shoe and tire impressions. They say that you can see two pairs of shoes is leading to her body, where her body was found, and one is coming out. So another indication that this happened here. Somebody was there. Yeah, well, the crime happened at that location. Like they, she wasn't killed somewhere else. Gotcha. They find that. Oh, well, they say that the the one that's leading the way is clearly the murderer because it's a, a the cowboy boot impression. Mm. That's really all they know at this point. They don't know who she is because she doesn't have any ID or anything on her. They notify neighboring police departments. Gotcha. Seeing if anybody is you know trying to find a missing woman. Not even a day later, the Inglewood Police Department uh, reaches back out to them and tells them they are looking for a 21-year-old female, Mm -hmm. Helena Prasinski, Mm -hmm. who had been reported missing the night before. Right. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Helena. Um, She was born, Helena Prasinski was born on April 5th, 1958 to Chester and Henrietta Prasinski in Huntington, uh, Suffolk County, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the youngest of three kids. She has a brother, Chester Chet. He's obviously named after the dad, and a sister, Janet Pozinski, and she's married now, Johnson. Mm-hmm. At some point, I couldn't find when or why, but they, I did find that the dad was in the army, I believe, and so that's probably why they was moving around a lot. But um, okay. they ended up moving to Hamilton, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Helena went to school. Town Hamilton is um, is north of Boston, so like a suburb of Boston, I guess you could say. Gotcha. And she went to Hamilton Winham Regional High School, and she was an honor roll student there. She was very active in her social activities. Um, her classmates know that she was in the drama club. She was in a show choir. She could sing very well. She did cheerleading. Um, she was an editor on a newspaper, amongst other things. Like, just all-around good student, you know. Your typical overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So she graduates from high school and she goes to Wheaton College in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. They don't say where it's at, but it's obviously out of wherever she was living. Um, And she majored in journalism. Uh, In 1979 is her senior year of college. And she moves here to Denver, Colorado for an internship at a radio station. Um, This radio station is still around. I don't know. I was trying to find something so I could listen to see how they pronounce it. Like if they say it some kind of way. But it's K-H-O-W 630 AM. It's a news radio. News slash talk show. Talk AM. Yeah. At the time where she was working there or interning there, there was news radio. Mm -hmm. That's just a little background that I found about her. So, okay. So, I'm going to go to the night of the disappearance. The night that she disappeared, she was working or interning at the radio station. And that day, so it's January 16th, 1980, it was snowing and cold that day. Mm -hmm. She would take the bus from the station to where she was living. She was staying with her aunt and relatives. I I couldn't get into how many people was like, who the relatives were, except for one aunt that I know. But so her relatives, she, that's how she would get back and forth there. That's who she was staying with while she was interning. Gotcha. To... I can put it simply too. And she just recently moved to town. Yes, like very recent. So she doesn't have any friends outside of the people that she works with at the radio station. Mm-hmm. And they they said that she was like very good. The guy, um, his name is Mike Anthony. He was the news director at the time. He was like she was more like an actual journalist versus an intern. And you know, and so they they valued her, you true, know. So true. if she wanted to stay, I'm pretty sure they would have hired her. True. So it's snowing the night that she disappears, and she asks Mike Anthony if she could leave early because she has to catch the bus, and he offers her a ride, and he tells her, you know, like I would feel better if you let me take you home, and she says no, like you know, he said that she thought about it, and it was like no, I'm gonna catch the bus. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind, okay? Because it's going to come up again later on down the line. She says no and takes the bus. Anyway, so she leaves and then he leaves shortly after her. And he gets home and, you know, he's been chilling or whatever. And then her aunt calls him about 8, 30, 9 o'clock and asks if she was still working or if she went somewhere else because she hadn't come home yet. Right. So I want to say around the time she left was probably around like 5 or 6. And he's like, no, she told me she was going straight home. You're like, I try to give her a ride, you know, because it's snowing, so she's going straight home. After he tells her that, um, her aunt immediately contacts the police and submits a missing person report. And so the police go out and they're searching the route that she would have took from the radio station to home, the bus route. And obviously they didn't find anything. They're searching around and also her her colleagues, Mike Anthony, the news director, and then there's another reporter, uh, Bob Scott who worked there, who was, they were also searching for her in the right. same area. Um, so they still you know, obviously find nothing. So the next day, at this point, she's been missing 18 hours. Oh, jeez. Um, Bob has a friend, his best friend is a captain at the Inglewood Sheriff's Department. And I'm like, that's convenient. But he's a news, he's a reporter for the news so that, you know, it makes sense. Yes. So anyway, um, his best friend is a captain. They didn't say what he was captain of. But he's a captain um, there, and he tells Bob that they have a report out of Douglas County of a a body, a young female's body, and they don't know, they haven't identified her. So they ask if Bob, since he knows Helena, if he could come and identify the body. And so that's, you know, that's hard. That's fucked up. So he goes out and he identifies her. He's like, before I even got up there, I knew it was her. 
he identifies her they know that it's her i'm gonna go to the autopsy they have a little bit later so nine hours after they find her body they did the autopsy the ME determined that she had been stabbed nine times in the back and her official uh, COD cause of death is loss of blood and a collapsed lung. Um, they also find that she had been sexually assaulted. Dry fluid was found on and inside of her and it is preserved. Like it's pretty much the same thing, your story and mine. Yes. <laughs> they don't have anything to do with it in 1980, True. you know, so they preserve it. That's why I was saying in your case, it's very, uh, it's very good that whoever thought to to preserve it in 1970 had that thought, you know. Or it was just circumstance, just by happenstance, they they happened to retain that sort of evidence yeah. that led to that. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. just the, even the thought to collect it, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Sure. It's well preserved mm-hmm. in, in this case. Yes. Around this time, they have a, a eyewitness account. It's a woman saying that she's seen a man around Daniel's Park right. around the time that Helena was kill she sees a man who is like squatted over by a car like looking like he's trying to fix a tire change a tire and so she goes to the police and tells him that is but she can't quite remember you know so they put her under hypnosis and while she's under hypnosis they have a sketch artist come in and have her describe what you know she's the face that she's seen so they put a sketch out of him and I want to post it up on our Instagram. And they circulated around the news and, you know, nothing happens. Nobody comes forward about it. Spring of 1981, her murder goes cold. We're going to fast forward to February 7th, 1984. Now, I'm. this is going to be a little sidebar yes. to my case, okay? Yes. I don't know if you heard about this or about these fuckers. This guy... Oddest tool. Yes. It was a real fucking tool. You yes. know who uh, it is? Familiar, yeah. Yes. I, I, I listened to another true crime podcast. And Henry Lee Lucas? Absolute trash. Okay. Absolute They're trash. Garbage. Fucking idiots. The My sidebar into that is I watched the, the documentary they had on Netflix, The Confession Killer. Yeah. It's shame on him, that both of them, and shame on these fucking cops who are coming all over the you know the from the country to interview them and did you do this and they're like feeding them and they're like convicting them of these murders and it's like the person who really did it got away you know it's not justice or fair to these people who are dead and their families well let me ask you this who, who at the time was involved in the investigation who was in charge of the investigation well that's all it was just my sidebar so yes, I'll, yes, I'll get yes, into yes, that yes, yes, okay so i'm just saying how much of a dick move it is to confess to kill to murders that you didn't commit so that you could be the biggest serial killer you know what i'm saying and then for the cops to go out there like you said want to solve a case so i got this guy who was admitting to it but they're like feeding him the fucking case so of course he's you know whatever okay so yeah that's how i feel about them like fuck you guys them and the police officer who closed any cases on any confessions that they gave back to it Detectives in Jackson, detectives, excuse me, in Jacksonville, Florida, are interviewing Otis Tool, and I put in parentheses a real fucking tool for murders he and Henry Lee Lucas claimed to have committed across the country. Um, because they were in Colorado during the time of Helena's murder, they were interviewed about it. Otis immediately, of course, admits to killing her, yes. and he's given a story about how it was cold outside and he seen her at a bus stop and he picked her up. So I said, remember, I said, remember her news director offering her a ride and she's turning it down. Why the fuck is she going to get in your random car? 
Okay, like... But it seems like... It's almost like it seems like something out of a movie or something. Where it's like, <laughs> you turn down a ride and then... Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's, un- yeah. it's, it's unreal. Yeah. It's sad that it happened because, yeah. man, he... I know that the news director, Mike Anthony, he probably feels like, you know, he should have insisted that he take her home. What are you going to do? Right. Strong, she's, independent woman. I know, she's you a grown woman. You can't, can't tell her. You can't tell him shit. Yeah. She's probably just new there, you know, like she works with him, but she doesn't know him, you right. know? So, but that's my point in this, is why would she get in the car with you if she turned it down from him? Right. So, he, like I said, he gives the story of... It was she's standing at the bus stop and he sees her and so he offers her a ride and she accepts it and got in. Yes. So when she gets in, um, he ties her hands up and he drives her to the park. He rapes, stabs, and shot her. And so she was not shot. She was stabbed nine times and that was it. I was just gonna ask. I was like, well, where was she shot? She was not shot. So that's how they know that he didn't fucking do it. You was in Colorado when it happened, so of course you know the story about how she came up missing and how she her body was found but obviously you didn't know that she wasn't shot it's the slippery slope of circumstantial evidence oh man the thank god that he said something stupid like that you know what i'm saying okay well anyway well what you're saying is they did uh, eventually find the real killer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they washed their hands of him like she wasn't shot so we know you didn't do it moving on but they're moving on to it just being ice cold you know right after that i'll fast forward because that was in 1984 so it remains cold all the way into well it's still cold after this but in 2006 on the 26th anniversary of her murder her high school friends and people that she was in the show choir with come to denver and they like walk the same route that she would have taken from the radio station home and um they call all the news stations here and so that they can just try to get some attention to this case because it's 26 years later at this point mm-hmm. but you know no new information comes from that it's a it's a good thing that her you know her her friends and her choir mates was trying to do but nothing comes out of it gotcha so um that's 26 years so we fast forward to um nine years later after that January 13, 2015. So this is 35 years after the murder. Douglas County gets a new sheriff, Sheriff Tony Spurlock. One of the first things he does when he gets in is create a cold case unit. Only thing that they're doing, they're just dedicated to solving these cold cases. That's all they're doing. So he enlists um, a full-time detective. He's Lieutenant Tommy Barella to head it. In the unit is made up of five civilians. Besides Lieutenant Barella, there's five other civilians, two lawyers, one doctor, and two people who have an interest in solving cold cases. Sure. I don't know what their profession is, but apparent, obviously they just have an, an interest in solving cold cases, which is good. Because how terrible. This is fucking 35 years after this woman has been murdered. The sheriff tells... Lieutenant Barella, like, I just I want you to solve these. Or I want you to get, like, two of these a year. So, what he's saying is that he has a lot. And that's what I was saying when you're talking about going down rabbit holes. Like, I want to go into that. Like, how many did y'all solve? Because I found another article on another detective who was on that unit. Right. And she solved shit. So, I'm like, ooh, I need to see what they are actually are. How many they actually solved. He's yes. not the, um, this, um... Tony Spurlock, he's not the sheriff anymore. I think the so the new guy just came in in 2020 or something. Oh, it's okay. That is still like another four years 
before they test this fluid that was found on her body. So the dried fluid that was found on her body turns out to be semen. The cold case unit they submitted to, I said submitted the DNA to United Data Collection Agency, and they do the genetic geologically. Yeah, testing that you were talking about. Yes. So that's why I was like, I want to know what company you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, like I said, United Data Collection or United Data Collect. They break down that sample to get your genetics to see who's in your family tree or, you know, narrow it down. After they break it down and get the genetic code, they submit it to 23andMe and uh, GEDmatch.com. Mm-hmm. They get a hit on a woman who was believed to be the suspect's mother. They track her down, and I didn't get it straight if when they tracked her down, she was dead already. And they was, like, talking to relatives that was in this family tree. Uh, it just didn't pop up in your research. Yeah, like... I. The way that they said it on the the documentary I watched and anything that I looked up, um, they didn't say if she was already dead, but the way they was talking about it, like she had already passed. So they find that there's no so she they find that she had given birth to eight children, four boys and four girls. They eliminate the girls because it's semen. And so that leaves them with these four boys, right? But when they track down the woman's family, they're like, Well, she only had girls. No boys. I see. They do a little more research. It turns out that she gave two of them up for adoption. Now, they don't say what happened to the other two, though. You know, because I said four boys, four girls. So they don't say what happened to the other two boys, but two of them she did give up for adoption. So that information just is missing. Yeah. I mean, like, even in the show, they didn't really say anything about it. They just said they dug deeper and found this article of this woman who reunited with her sons that she gave up for adoption. And it was this same woman. They see the two sons. They go for the first, the, the oldest of the two. And his DNA, he's already been arrested and everything. So his DNA is already in CODIS and it doesn't match. So then they go for the younger one. And his name is Curtis Allen White. And he had done prison time prior to 1980. So they had his DNA, but nowhere to fucking upload it. You know, nowhere to store it, nowhere to put it because... There wasn't a database yet? There wasn't a database. They have to go off his fingerprints. They run his fingerprints. It comes back to a guy named James Curtis Clanton. So he had just changed his name. Remember I told you the woman went under hypnosis and they got a sketch of the face? Can you elaborate about that? Because you say hypnosis like... That's not some bad shit crazy shit <laughs> that police departments are doing. Yes, I will elaborate on that. I will we'll go back to that. Okay. But the thing is, they the sketch that they did is compared to the mugshot that came back for him, uh-huh. dead fucking ringer. Uh-huh. And that's why I told you I'm gonna put it up on our Instagram, the sketch and his actual picture. Like he it is the same fucking face. Okay? They figure out who he is. They locate him, Lake Butler, Florida. They need to compare his DNA, mm-hmm. um, you know, to what they found, the semen that they found, sure. to, you know, confirm it. So they go down to Florida, um, Douglas County detectives. They go out to Florida, and they find him. And this motherfucker has the same schedule. Every day. They're they're tracking him for six fucking days and uh, like no luck in getting his DNA because he does the same shit every day. So finally, the fucker goes to a bar 
and he's drinking a beer. They get the mug and they test the mug and that's how they get his DNA and they run it and it's a match. So he's the one who killed Helena. Seven days after they do the DNA match on December 11th, 2019. After this point, it's 39 years after she's been dead. So they they go to his property. They say that they're there to because they're investigating uh, insurance fraud that happened in Denver, Colorado. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, well, you know, what are you guys talking about? You know, they're like, are you willing to come down to the station and talk to us about it? He's like, yeah. So because they want a confession out of him. You know, we have your DNA, but we want you to fucking confess. Mm-hmm. So they take him down to the station and right away. The detective was like, well, you know, I, I don't give a shit about fraud cases. Like, but I do want to know if you recognize this woman from Denver, Colorado, who was found dead in 1980. So he shows him the picture of Helena and he looks at it and he's like, no, I don't know her, but um, I think I do want an attorney now and I'm done talking, you know, so. They're still talking to her, talking to him. You know, they're like, okay, well, you're about to be arrested for the rape and murder of Helena Pazinski. And he's like, well, you guys got the wrong guy. And they're like, um, we have your DNA inside and on her. And he's like, oh. 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 Yeah, motherfucker, you're busted. So they're like, we're about to hold you here until you get extradited back to Colorado. They send him back, you know, they extradite him back, and Lieutenant Barella is on the plane with him. Hold on, what year is this? 2019. And he was found in Florida? Yes. I see, okay. Um, so they extradite him back here to Colorado, so Lieutenant Barella is on the plane with him when they're coming back. And this motherfucker is singing like a bird, okay? He is telling them everything he wants to know about the murder after he found out about the dna evidence he's like well fuck it he said he's seen her get off of the bus so she did make it on the bus she didn't make it to her bus stop near her house or near her relative's house he's seen her get off of the bus and he rolled up on her and um showed her that he had a knife and she's like i see the knife he's like get in the car and so as soon as she gets in the car he ties her hand behind her back and he takes her to the park and he rapes and he kills her they're like well what why like what is the motive you know like what is what is the point in doing it and he's like everything bad that ever happened to him happened because of women and he was just mad at women and she it it was just fate that she he seen her get off the bus like he didn't like you know it wasn't like premeditated he didn't choose her he just saw her and decided he was going to rape and kill her sounds like a real piece of shit that's right it sounds like there's a little bit deeper shit into the mom giving him away and what his life was like i couldn't I didn't, or I haven't been able to anyway, um, prior to us recording, obviously, mm-hmm. found what, what was really going on. Like, like I said, what happened to those other two kids? She only had girls. Like, you know, what was the reason why she gave them up? And shit like that. I didn't get into that, but I would like to because I think that explains a lot. It seems like it would be a straight line when you're looking at, like, DNA that ties families together. But then, like, when you actually go into these cases, you realize how broken a lot of family dynamics are. That's right. That's right. And that seemed to be a very broken family there, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to assume anything because I don't know. True. So they, you know, obviously book him in and whatever. And 
he sentenced to life in prison. I think I seen something that he'll be eligible for parole in 20 years, but he's already like 63. Fuck him getting parole. They didn't say anything about it, but I had to like look into it. The parents, her parents, they died. Both of them died before they could get justice for her. Mm. Um, They both died in 2012. Mm. And just a, a little random fact, I don't know. It seems like they was a really loving, happy couple. I stumbled across something that is kind of interesting, as in dates. Oh, yeah. The, the mother, Henrietta, um, she died on uh, July 15, 2012. And her, her birthday, so her birthday is September 25th. Um, she was born in 1922, and she died July 15, 2012. The husband's birthday is February 27, 1918, mm. and he died on September 25, 2012. So mm. he died on her birthday, same year. That's crazy. One of those little factoids. It's like, yeah. Hmm. Like the, um, what's her name, Debbie Reynolds and her daughter. Yeah. You know, like, because that's only like, what, two, three months apart when they when he died and he died on her birthday. So I was like, well, that's a that's a little that's a random tidbit there. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really glad that they was they caught him and so he confessed to it. You know, that's what you were saying. Like, it's a shame that that fucker in your case died before they can actually, you know, interview him or do anything about it, because it could have been the same way for this. You know, we don't his reasoning for killing her is ridiculous, but that was his reason, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know what his motive is? They was actually able to catch him and he confessed and he's in jail for the rest of his life or prison for the rest of his life so it's a the genealogy testing is a good thing and i'm just going to go ahead and say what i was going to say i don't know how i feel about uploading my personal dna on there but it's doing a good thing because had her mom had the mom's dna not been on there they would have never caught this guy that's very true yeah so we could go back to the hypnosis now (laughs) I do think it's weird. They didn't elaborate enough for me to elaborate to you about why they came to the conclusion of doing that. She said she's seen this person, but she wasn't really sure, you know, couldn't get the face out. She knows she's seen a man. Right. So I don't know who suggested that she do the hypnosis (laughs) and get a sketch artist in there. But you know what? Thankfully, they did because, like I said, the picture of this man and his what he looked like at the time is a dead fucking ringer. He looks just like the picture. That's just so interesting because it's like, you know, I'm not here to to argue the validity of hypnosis. Yeah. As a practice. Right. Uh, but in my opinion, it's like, it's one of the. It's definitely one of the more quacky practices. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's yeah. it's almost. Calling in a hypnotist to help you solve a murder is almost akin to, like, calling in a psychic. Right. But, dude, I mean, can you argue with the results? No, you can't. If it's the same fucking face, like, damn. That's quite curious. That's quite interesting. Yeah, I would like to go more. They didn't, they, they just went, poop, went right over it. But when they got the DNA, they brought it back up. Like, the, the sketch and his mugshot was identical. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, it is, like... <laughs> He looks exactly like that sketch. I don't know. They didn't really go into it uh, about the hypnosis, but uh, like you said, can you question the results? In this case, you can't. Have you heard of this shit? Ah, fuck. I can't remember her name. It was like um, 
it was the first case of um, people having forgotten memories, suppressed memories. Yeah. And this woman claimed that she's seen her dad kill her best friend. Mm-hmm. And um, after I watched it, I was like, it's all bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't use this. They didn't use this woman's sketch in court. You know, so they had DNA evidence on him. So they didn't need to use that. They just... It's just one more thing that this this is him because he looks exactly like the sketch. But that sort of thing is very interesting to me. Like sometimes you'll hear stories about people like retaining memories of like a previous life and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, wow, fantastic story too. Thanks. I was just very surprised that we both basically did the same thing. Can I tell you something? Yeah. So I am familiar with this story. Yeah. I almost did this story too. <laughs> yes. For those new new listeners, we do not talk in advance about which stories we're going to be covering. So um, by mere coincidence, uh, both of our stories kind of are along the same lines. And actually, um, I do have um, Helena. I do have her information here in my notes as well. Uh, when they did... Catch him, he was processed uh, in a uh, court in Castle Rock. And actually, I've seen pictures of her. She's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She was pretty. Uh, a little go-getter. Yeah, like, yeah. probably would have been a very good journalist. Very successful, yeah. Yeah. And you have issue with uh, with women, and all she did was merely get off the fucking bus. I mean, did he have a problem with her as a woman, or did you think he had a problem with her being, like, more successful or do you think that didn't even come into play no he didn't even know her right you know he just seen her get off of the bus and i think that he set out to find somebody to rape and murder Mm -hmm. is what i think and he unfortunately seen her get off of the bus unfortunate for her like it's just like obviously if we knew what we knew then what we know now be like get in the car with the news director like let him take you home yeah. Let him take you home. But it says that she made it home. She made well, she made it off of the bus, headed home. So that sucks. The parents passed and the brother passed as well. And so her it's just her sister who was left. So, you know, good thing that her sister was alive to see justice. Well, I think that's the point with both your story and in mine. Having that justice is, is important whether or not there's anyone to actually bear witness to it. Right. Right. That's the point of um, of having a justice system. It just breaks my heart because it's like, what is it all for? Right. You know, but it matters. It does. And it is important. There, there's no living relatives in this case who were able to bear witness on the on the, the justice that was served. Right. You know, and he's going to rot in the cell for the rest of his life. Yeah. And uh, good riddance. Yeah. That's... I'm very happy with that outcome <laughs> that they caught him and Fantastic. and then he, he like tried I don't know who she is like when they came and I'm sure when they came and said that they were from Denver Colorado he knew exactly what they were there for mm-hmm. and he's like oh they talking about some fraud shit like oh maybe it's not what I thought but he get on that fucking plane and he's singing like a canary he knew he knew what they were there for right as soon as they got there yeah so there's that I don't really have any questions I wonder if they actually ran his DNA against all these other people, too. Uh, all these other get, uh, rape kits and everything. Because could she really be the one and only person that he killed? Doubtful. Doubtful. And he's a he's a, he's a truck driver. So I feel like in, in the future we might hear his name again, you know. 
I wouldn't be completely surprised. Yeah, like in Florida and in whichever route he took to get there from here. You know, like he's a truck driver. You know, and sadly, he's not. He's not the only um, you know violent predator out there. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing is the research, the processes. They're getting better every day. That's right. They're getting better every year. In fact, I made a note here. Um, uh, Bow Technologies is actually hosting. Um, they're hosting some sort of fucking conference this year. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm... This um, it's just it's just it's just heartbreaking. Right. It's another fucking creep off the streets. If that's not good enough for you, I don't know what is. I agree. You know, and kudos to the investigation team. Like getting a a DNA sample off a mug of beer. Right. And trailing his ass for yeah. six days. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That's they some, trailed him for six days. That's some Mission Impossible shit. That is. I'm like, yes, get him. You good ready, job. You ready? Yeah, good job. Fantastic research. Absolutely. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. If you are following us, thank you if you listen to us. I know it seems like we only drop a podcast once a year. <laughs> We only drop a show, but we I think we should really uh, try to do like once a month at least. We'll see what happens. For everybody listening at home, this is a lot of research involved. I mean, we're not getting paid. Obviously, we're doing this for, uh, for the love of the game at the moment. But yeah, and we work. You know, I work two jobs, so yeah, fuck it it's hard to do the research and work. It is something that I found that I'm passionate about to research, and I would like to do more extensive research. All right, so uh, be sure to follow us on our social media. We have an Instagram account. We are on Facebook. Are we on Facebook? No. We are not on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> it's not even Facebook anymore. We're not, we are not part of the metaverse. <laughs> No Facebook, but we are on Instagram. We're on Instagram. We're on Spotify. <laughs> oh, and we're on YouTube also. And we're on YouTube. And we're on YouTube. So find us there. As always, playing us out. Final boss. Woohoo! All Thank right. you for listening. Have a good night.